I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello, welcome to the second episode of SB Nation's Cats by 90. Drew Brown and Aaron Gershon joining you, and it is officially game week. So pumped, finally get some football to really talk about and recap. So I'm hype, Aaron. How are you? Good, man. Uh, just getting dry from all that rain here in the bluegrass today. Uh, first day of class for UK, so I've been up and out all day and getting rained <laughs> on. Luckily, I invested um, my building I'm living in this year, for those who know Lexington, is the brand new one that actually has a target connected to it. So last okay. night, I made a very smart decision in investing in an umbrella. So very glad I did that because it was an absolute monsoon out there today. Yeah, man, you definitely sound tired. So uh, Aaron did go to the, um, today's press conference. So today is Monday, August 26th. We are T-minus just uh, about, what, six, five days now from the football game or so. So I know I'm excited, Aaron. I'm the type of person that typically like has to throttle my expectations or my my excitedness by just not even acknowledging it. So I've been doing a good job all summer, really not trying to look too far ahead. And now I'm getting pumped because we're really going to, you know, put some rubber to the road here and start testing a lot of these theories or whatever people's analysis. Because today, for example, the depth charts out. So I know that was a big, big thing from today and a few notes from the press conference. But um, other than the rain, yeah, man, it, it is going to be a football week. Yeah, and it's very exciting. I mean, um, you definitely could tell based on, you know, kind of Mark Stoops' mood and, um, you know, getting all the media in the same room again. And, you know, it's that time of year and everyone's getting excited. And hopefully I'm, my big hope is I'm going to – I was going to ask Mark this today, but I'll save it for when he talks to media Thursday, is um, I'm really hoping there's going to be a big crowd. Um, Obviously, it's a MAC opponent, and I know in years past, granted, Kentucky football hasn't been great. Um, the opening day attendance against one of those lesser opponents, um, not necessarily the best, not bad. I think last year against Central Mish was in the 50s, which is good, but you know, not quite close to a sellout. So I kind of, I'm wondering what their expectations are for that, um, especially you know they're coming off an historic year. That's why it's an interesting question. But, um, the weather's looking good for Saturday, too. But uh, before we get too granular and I unleash you on all your press conference knowledge and all the stuff you've done the last week or so, Aaron, uh, probably should kind of just give a recap. Hopefully we have a lot of new listeners. Just the second episode now of um, SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. And this podcast is called Cats by 90. I'll always be one of your hosts, Drew Brown. You can follow me on Twitter at BigBlueDrew33. And then Aaron Gershon, um, boots on the ground in Lexington. He's a student at Kentucky. 
and he pretty much heads to um, all of the events, press conferences, games, all of the above, and kind of reports back, and um, and I'll do some of the same. So you can follow Aaron at agershon99. And um, I'm going to be at the game, Aaron. I'm really excited. I'm anxious to see you, man. I don't think I've caught up with you in a while. We talked 10 times a week, but I haven't seen you in person in quite a while. Dude, man, that's right. I'm trying to uh, – probably the spring game, right? It's got to yeah, be Yeah, it must that. be the spring game. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the last event other than, you know, like I, that's what I was mentioning earlier, man. I'm just excited to get away from this, oh, you know, this press conference note or this tidbit from practice, and we're actually going to have some, you know, pads bumping, man, and we'll be able to do this, but – um, as far as the Cats by 90 podcast goes, again, we're on episode two. We're really, um, hopefully by the end of this week, we'll have everything squared away with iTunes and Spotify. Um, you know, Apple's trying to big time us. They make everybody do that few-day waiting period to probably, you know, to check everything out. So that should all be handled, hopefully, um, by the end of this week. Still looking to keep a weekly rhythm and kind of get this thing going a little bit more interactive. So we thought about maybe doing a little mailbag-type format. Or we even discuss just pulling the most outlandish, ridiculous comments that come through the SB Nation site every day. So if you're not following um, a sea of blue, do that. Aaron and I both write for there. And um, I've definitely been linking up with some of the other um, SB Nation, a sea of blue guys, Aaron, like James Strebel. I did some radio with him this week here in ES- on ESPN Louisville. So we'll have to get some of the guys on because I think that's one of the unique things that like our podcast is going to be able to bring and our insight in general is that like, like I said, you're in Lexington, you're a student, you you have all that perspective. You know, even though it's away from Lexington, Louisville's still kind of a, you know, a hub for the media. So um, I'm excited about this, man. And I know you're doing some new stuff with the Big Blue Insider. And I'm anxious to hear um, all the stuff you've, you, you know, learned through, uh, especially from today's press conference and, and last week's open practice. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we'll go right into it. Open practice, um, uh, going back to that. Uh, you know, we got to see the first 10 sessions of that practice, so we got to see um, a good portion of it. A lot of it was kind of individual stuff, and then we got to see a little bit of one-on-ones. Um, I'd say my biggest takeaways would be, one, um, definitely uh, the worry for this about the secondary, and we'll get into the guys on the depth chart listed as starters soon, but uh, the secondary concerns are valid. Um, the receivers were, uh, for the most part, manhandling them. Um, you know, they really didn't have much of an answer. Terry Wilson, though, on the flip side of that, that means there was some good offense. So Terry Wilson looked really strong. I really think he's going to have a pretty significant jump this year. I think he's going to be much improved. Um, you know, Lynn looked as good as ever. He threw the ball a lot. So definitely expect to see um, Kentucky. Um, hold on, hold on. Let me stop here. And I got it. So... <laughs> You, you're 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 a football guy, like I said. You you would yeah. you would be in the know. You're at all this stuff. Do you really think there's? That's been kind of the topic this last week, right? So, mm-hmm. do you really think there's possibilities where Lynn Bowden goes in the game and you know is legitimately a, a rotating quarterback option? I wouldn't go rotating quarterback option. I'd say he's gonna. There will be plays. I think yes, he's gonna line up under center um, and take the snap as if he's the quarterback. But I think you'll see that. I, they love the Wildcat. Obviously, they need to recreate that because Benny Snell's the main part of it. And obviously, we know he's gone. So I think you could see that. And I think rather than it just being a run where, like we saw with Benny, it could be, you know, Lynn drops back to throw it. And same thing with a bunch of different laterals and funky stuff like that. I mean, like Eddie Grant said last Tuesday after that open practice, um, Lynn's our best playmaker and we got to get him the ball. And that means being creative and how we get him the ball, because let's be honest here, there's some decent receivers on this roster, but none of them even compare to Lynn Bowden. So 
you already know he's going to draw most of the attention from the defense, especially because Benny Snell's gone too. Thus, they got to find ways to get him the ball rather than just on simple routes and stuff like that. And yeah, you know that's going to be uh, yeah. That's exactly going to be kind of, I think, the the whole goal of the offense, especially early on, is how can we get Lynn Bowden involved? You know he's going to be returning kicks. I mean, he's – what did he – I think he returned four kicks last year and two were for touchdowns. So Two for touchdowns, pretty, yeah. Pretty good percentage. So, I think yeah. you're right, man. I think especially if you see Terry struggle early, I could see a scenario where they're – I mean, they're just doing whatever they can to get their the ball in his hands. Yeah, and that's – that's what they're going to have to do because, like we, like I just said, Benny Snell's gone. That's not a knock on A.J. Rose because A.J. Rose, like I've been high on him since the day I saw him in the spring game back in 2018. But um, it's just it, – it's very – it's just going to be a different offense in the sense that I really think the one thing that might even be better is they're going to have more variety in their play calling – because they're not going to have that pressure to pound the ball with Benny that they had last year. That and I've said too that that might be more exciting for the fan base exactly. if nothing else, you know. Because they're definitely going to stretch the field. They're going to give the ball to Lynn in creative ways, like throwing it, like running him out of a wildcat. Even who knows with Lynn, they could give him the ball out of the backfield. There's going to be a lot of creativity in this offense, and that was definitely a takeaway from uh, open practice. We also there's also creativity even in special teams. They ran. Um, I believe just one. They tried to fake. I believe it was a fake field goal. It might have been a punt. Uh, it was terrible, but at least they tried. Um, <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of creativity. I think that was one of my main takeaways um, from that open practice. But yeah, the offense definitely ahead of the defense. Little room for concern there. Um, and we'll you know we'll get into the press conference too. Well, offensively, uh, yeah. Defense. Before we dive into the depth chart, yeah. I haven't even thought about this, but that was good stuff from you. So I kind of see the offense heading into game one. So Toledo, we're, what, five or six days away now. Mm -hmm. um, best case scenario is kind of that. So we replace, you know, the solve for Benny Snell leaving is this three-headed monster at running back right. with A.J. Rose, Glacier Smoke, and um, Chris Rodriguez, right? So maybe, yeah. like you said, there's just a mixture of, of skill sets there. You got a speed guy, a power guy, and somebody that's kind of in between, right? right. So, you know, that's kind of the solve in the running game. Terry Wilson, I mean, ball – indication should be a better version of sophomore terry terry wilson so you know there you've solved you know the the backfield turnover terry wilson's better you could say the same thing for lynn bowden you know you're expecting an even greater lynn bowden so the offense has a, a lot of potential you know to do great things i think the flip side of that and the you know the glass half empty side would be if that running game can't get going if turnovers by terry wilson which is you know still kind of a concern then they're just relying on Lynn trying to get him the ball in different right. ways. He could be trying to do too much. and But I, I think that's kind of the best-case, worst-case scenario. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think that's also – I'd agree with that. And like we've been saying, I think this year um, the blessing would I, – I wouldn't call it a blessing. I'd call it the up, the good thing about – I guess – I wouldn't even call it that. Sorry. But the yeah, one thing – it's not good we to got you. Benny Snell because he's obviously – the best running back in UK history, hands down. But if there's a bright side of him leaving, it's that this offense will be much more creative. And the best case scenario is that they're creative enough that Lynn is still open. He still has room to run and they can find creative ways to get it to him. And they also really need some of those other receivers to step up because last year they were able to kind of get away with it 
Um, there were a lot of games where they didn't score that many points and they still got W's because um, that's how good the defense was last year. Um, that's not going to be the case this year. They're going to have to score a lot more. And that means some of the other receivers like Alan Daly, Josh Ali, um, Isaiah Epps, when he gets back and healthy, hopefully um, he can get back pretty quick. Um, Bryce Oliver, who we saw, saw absolutely shy. Yeah, that's actually that's that's exactly where I wanted to start yeah. on the depth chart, actually, with wide receiver, because that was right. kind of my other part to the offensive thing is that, you know, Lynn can't do it all. So there's going to have to yeah. be some of these guys. Exactly. And it, it's seemingly right now preseason, it seems like it's going to be by committee. You know, there might not be that standout number two option. But um, right. so the depth chart, as far as it goes, so wide receiver. Um, so Josh Ali, Allen Daly Jr., Lynn Bowden, and Bryce Oliver, you know, are basically the starting wide receiver core. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think, go back to last year real quick, they were supposed to be pretty – you know, pretty decent at receiver with uh, Taven Richardson, who's obviously transferred to Marshall and um, Dorian Baker. But those two guys had really, in my book, really bad years, and that hurt them a lot. So they're going to need a lot from Daly, who um, some fans might remember made a really nice play against Murray State, broke free for a touchdown. Um, true sophomore, so didn't get much playing time last year. Um, then you have Ali, who got a lot of playing time last year. They need him to take the next step. Um, and then Bryce Oliver was, you know, he, he, behind Terry Wilson, I'd say he was the best player in the spring game. He really had a standout performance. And a lot of that, I'm pretty sure Gunnar Hoke was throwing the ball to him and not even Terry. So really, really good game from Bryce Oliver. Made a lot of tough catches. Um, I think he found the end zone. He, he, he really balled out and he had a really good camp from all I heard. And, um, he will be starting on, Saturday, and I, I think he deserves it absolutely. And then too, you know, Ahmad Wagner's made some big plays in his career too, so yeah. he's going to be kind of relied on. No and then one draws from more another, pass interference calls than Ahmad Wagner. Yeah, do that all game, that's fine. And I then think um, from a four. tight end perspective, two, you, two huge guys at tight end, man. Yeah. So you got uh, Justin Riggs, six six two sixty three, Keaton Upshot, six six yeah. two fifty five. So that seems to be like a, a broken record with the Big Blue Nation over like the right. last five years. Is even with the tremendous tight ends we've had is just get them involved more. So sure. you could see that too. And I think yeah. at skill positions, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, there's definitely question marks, but like going down name by name and really seeing the depth chart today, the the talent's there, you know, so hopefully they can just go out and show it. And there is no more speculation at this point. And then obviously from an offensive perspective, the line is the strength, you know, the anchor is yeah. going to be the line, which in SEC football, amen to that. I think that's something that fans should not be overlooking. And I'd much rather be talking, um, you know, question marks with those skill positions when there's a plethora of guys that can kind of come in and out than have yeah. line issues in the SDC. And the line's loaded, so you get potential All-American Logan yeah, Stenberg, Landon Young's back, Luke Fortner, um, Darren Kennard, and then uh, Drake Jackson, obviously. So, right. so I'd say tremendous I'd say, offensive line. I mean, you have three of the best offensive lines and uh, offensive linemen in the SEC with Stenberg and Jackson and now a healthy Landon Young. Um, the only question marks, I wouldn't even call them question marks. Uh, Luke Fortner, uh, he's obviously taking the spot of George Afaso Adajahi, who's in the NFL with the Giants. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Adajahi played a lot of left tackle last year. Who, who played right guard? I guess it was a, trying to think who played right guard last year. Anyway, we'll get back to that, but I know Bunchy Stallings, Darian Kennard, and uh, Nasir Watkins. Watkins got hurt at the end of last year, but he actually did a lot of good things when he was healthy. So I think, um, you know, that's a pretty good, option there um i think the right guard position is the only one where you want to 
you know, I'm not too sure about Fortner and Wolf. They haven't played all too much, but they should be fine. Two really big guys. And, you know, the rest of the offensive line is absolutely stacked. So like you said, the offensive line is such a huge part of football and at any level from peewee to the pros. So um, good that there's not many question marks there. Yeah, they, we haven't touched at all, really. I don't think on any of the stuff that we've done, um, Aaron, is this like the quarterback? So obviously, um, you know, Kentucky's basically down to one backup quarterback, transfer Sawyer Smith. Um, Mark Stoops talked about him a little bit today at the press conference. Do you remember anything he said just in general? I feel like a couple questions were asked about, like, I don't know what how it was phrased, but if, you know, if Terry Wilson was to go down, what would yeah. that look like? Yeah, so all I've heard about Smith is that he looks sharp and that he's transitioned well. I didn't. He didn't really get into much detail on that. Obviously, backup quarterback. So, but not to say it's not important because, but I think Sawyer Smith, I, it's so great that they were able to bring him in because, you know, as shaky as Gutter Hoke, um, looked when he got his chances last year, um, you don't want a guy with no experience stepping up. God forbid Terry goes down. And as a mobile quarterback, Terry's obviously at as much risk as any quarterback. So, um, Smith obviously has a lot of experience last year for Troy through for 1,669 yards and 100, uh, 229 pass attempts, um, completed 62.9% of his throws, 14 touchdowns. So he had a pretty nice year down in Alabama at Troy. Um, yeah. And if, <laughs> I mean, think about it. If he wasn't here, you're looking at Walker Wood or Amani Gilmore, true freshman at back of quarterback and, do you have trust in those guys or do you have trust in the guy who's been there and done that a little bit? So, um, yeah, who knows, man, we could be looking back on this at some point, you know, good or bad this season and talking about what a, what a big move that was. And at the time it didn't seem, you know, monumental, but yeah, you're right. I mean, especially with uh, Wilson being a dual threat quarterback, you know, there's a chance he, I feel like though, I don't have any, you know, hard stats backing this up, but I feel like he did a pretty good job of, of not taking a ton of hits last year, at least, at least maybe not, any big hits yeah. that I really remember. I think I think he did, he definitely did a lot better than Steven Johnson did because I remember Steven Johnson took a lot of big hits. <laughs> uh, he was a dude, though. I mean, tough as nails, but he took a lot of big hits in his body, obviously. Um, you know, he had his injury problems, but, man, was that guy a baller. But anyway, Terry, yeah, I think he did a pretty good job of avoiding hits. Obviously, he had the injury last year that really um, affected his play. If you remember, he said he hurt. Uh, he got hurt, I believe it was either the beginning of the South Carolina game or the end of the Mississippi State game. And that kind of lingered for most of the year until he kind of turned it back on, um, against Louisville and against Middle Tennessee. But, um, they need him healthy. But if not, you feel a lot better about Sawyer Smith than you do Walker Wood or Amani Gilmore. Okay, so we kind of rounded out the offense here. Depth chart came out today. Cats by 90 podcast. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little then, Aaron. So we went through the offense just now. Last year, I'll give you some stats from last year, and I just want you to tell me, like, holistically whether or not, you know, how you think Kentucky either take a step forward or or step back. Sure. So last year, um, Kentucky 2018 averaged about a little over 26 points a game. Um, They rushed for 139 yards, only threw for 96 yards per game. Um, for a total offensive average of 258 yards a game, a little about, let's call it 27 points. So how do you see the offense this year compared think, to last year? Yeah, well, first of all, they need to be better than that, like I said, because last year they had the luxury of a defense that ranked sixth best in the country, 
and they were able to, you know, win games for Dude, before you even go, it's so ridiculous. I'm, I'm staring at them back to back. And like, I was just reading, you know, Kentucky stats. And I was kind of like, blah, you know, those aren't really. And then you look over to the right yeah. and what they held opponents to was just like, right. So much worse. And it's just, Amazing. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but I, I, I think they have to, and I think they will. Uh, definitely. I think they'll average. Pro- I'd say in the thirty to thirty-five range this year. I think they'll definitely average more than ninety-six yards on uh, through the mm-hmm. air because they have to. They don't have Benny Snell to give the ball to th- uh, forty-plus times a game. I guess you know I'm being a little exaggerated, but you know Terry's going to have to throw more this year. And you know what? From what I saw last Tuesday and what everyone else has said. Um, he looks up to that task. He's looked a lot sharper during practice, and he, he's throwing the ball with a lot more accuracy and a lot more just everything has looked better with him. So they'll hopefully um, get over the 96-yard threshold. They they better. Um, that was a, So that was, like, totally wrong, though, by the way. I was – um I read the wrong stats. They're passing per game. It's 161 uh, yards passing oh, per okay. game. Uh, still think that has to be over if they want to win eight or nine games. So I'll say they're in the 180 to 1-200 ballpark there. And then rushing, you said, was what? Uh, Rushing last year per game was basically 200, right on the 199. That's not going to (laughs) happen. As much as great as it would be, I think A.J. Rose, because actually I do think A.J. Rose will rush for 1,000 yards this season. I think Smoke and Rodriguez will do pretty well. As well, especially Smoke, I'm really high on him. But it's hard. you have Benny Snell. You know, he's a fourth round pick in the NFL. He's the best runner in school history. That it's he's a hard guy to he's actually he's an impossible guy to replace. So um, I don't see them finishing over that. But I do think more points, more passing yards from the offense this year. Well, they're going to need to to do it early too, because that's all all you know. Signs about Toledo basically say that they're going to score a lot of points yeah. and probably give up a lot of points. Exactly. It's kind of been how they've how they've operated over the last few seasons. And, um, you know, they're they're projected to win their their side of the MAC, the yes. Western Division, I think. Yeah, and they you know they have had the top uh, the top three the top recruiting class the last three years in the MAC. Um, they've won a division title in that route, and they've had some pretty good NFL players come out of there too. So it's a good program. Um, then I guess very last thing we could touch on offensively is um, Chance Poor. Um, so yeah. he's going to you know be kick, kicking the old field goals this year. And I did see today where Mark Stoops mentioned in the press conference, Aaron, that he made a 56-yard field yeah. goal recently in practice. Yeah, and then he joked. Uh, well, I believe the question was how confident are you in him? He said that to show, yeah, he's really confident. And then he's like, not to say – and that's not saying I'm going to attempt that because obviously in a game that's a lot harder than in practice. but. Um, Chance four, man, he's a, he can really, he, he has a boot. He really does. And I think last year you didn't see as much of him only because they wanted to, first of all, Miles Butler was a senior Kentucky native. He, you know, stuck behind the greatest kicker in school history in Austin McGinnis. They wanted to give him that opportunity last year. Obviously it was a really up and down year for Butler. He improved as the year went on, but if you remember, he was, he really struggled and obviously poor took the job for a few weeks. And for the most part, you know, he looked really good except for that one kick in Tennessee. But um, everything I've ever heard about him is he's really impressive. And there's really no doubt that he was going to win the job. They were able to keep the red shirt on him by holding him to those four games. And, you know, if anyone's going to be close to Austin McGinnis, it could be him. 
Yeah, I like Chance Pearl a lot, man. I asked him a couple of questions after the spring game, and he's definitely got some confidence yeah. and some swag to him, and that's so necessary for a kicker. Super good so, kid um, too. That could prove that could you know prove to be another thing. You know, it's always seems to not matter with kickers until oh, it, matters. it matters. You know, it's like you don't think about them, yeah. and they're like such a such a huge, huge, huge component of everything. But uh, yeah, ask, all right, so let's hit the any defense. Um, Bears fan, how kicking goes? Yeah. Uh, Speaking of uh, real quick, just because you mentioned it, man, is Austin McGinnis ever going to get on an NFL team? I saw him. I saw him. I think he's trying out for the XFL, XFL which that'd be sweet too. He should be, man. I, I don't know why. The speaking of the Bears, or even when the Browns had those kicking woes at the beginning of last year, like I, I don't understand it for the life of me. And then you, you know the AFL, which you know lasted for what eight weeks. He got he was signed by the Memphis team, and he I think he made every kick he attempted and i think he won them one game like on its own so it it, it baffles me how he's not how he hasn't gotten that opportunity in the nfl but um hopefully he gets you know he'll get a chance in the xfl undoubtedly i think and if he proves himself there maybe he'll get that shot next year all right um let's kind of move on to the defense on the depth chart but before we do that let's just pause for one second get a little sponsor break in Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back on the Cats by 90 podcast. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon with the final football preview. Probably the next time we're on here, Aaron, the game will be have been played. And we were just kind of finishing up and we're going to hit the um, the defensive depth chart, which um, I guess there was actually huge news today as far yeah. as um, some defensive um, stuff coming out with Phil Hoskins being suspended for the first two games um, due to academic issues. So, that kind of was um, a surprise, at least to me. It was a surprise to all of us in the media room. I heard there was a little bit of a not, I wouldn't say a gasp because you know we're supposed to, we're all um, we're all kind of some looking around so and wandering definitely around. Definitely some like, hmm? I mean, there was definitely a, a lot of like eyebrows on that one. But that's that's a big loss. I mean, he's a he's a veteran guy who's made some big plays. You remember he had the sack against Florida last year. Um, you know, senior defensive tackle, 6'5", 300, 300 plus pound guy, and he's not going to win the game. And that's a that's a really tough loss. But if there's a silver lining, um, it'll be against you know Toledo's tough, but the other one against Eastern Michigan. Um, hopefully that he gets his academics together. That's what's most important, and they get him back on the field. But you know, he 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 might not have been the star of last year's defense or even the year before, but. You know, three sacks. Yeah, 21 tackles last year. Yeah, 21 tackles. And three sacks. And, so. You know, the sacks came against Texas A&M and Florida. So, you know, that's a big part of the defense, and especially with a lot of guys, 
moved on from the, uh, from last year. Uh, that's not, that's a bad loss. Yeah, that'd be, I guess that's a good place to kind of look at the defense and start our analysis there. So the, the line again, kind of going back to the offensive thing, even with losing, you know, the just incredible amount of talent that they did to graduations in the NFL draft, the deep Kentucky's defensive line should still be kind of the anchor of that side of the ball too. And you have a potential all American at nose guard in Quentin Bohanna. Yeah. Bohan is a monster. And I really think he's going to have a big junior year. Um, could have put himself into NFL conversation. He's, he's a man out there and, um, he's, I think he'll prove himself. You know, he's been stuck behind Adrian Middleton, who's pretty great in his own right. But, um, Bohan is going to have a big year. Um, I really, 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 really like Boogie Watson. Um, Obviously, there's no replacing Josh Allen, but Boogie is, you know, he doesn't quite have the length as Josh does, but he he has the speed and he has the athleticism um, enough, that is, to, you know, kind of fill the gap that Allen left in a, you know, enough for what Kentucky needs. Obviously, last year, um, even behind him on the depth chart, had five sacks, 24 tackles. So um, he's a heck of a player. He'll I think he'll be just fine. Same for Calvin Taylor and TJ Carter, two veteran guys who have just quietly gone about their business. And, you know, if we're not talking about them uh, too much, it's usually good uh, when it comes to talking about concerns. So defensive line and obviously the big one is Josh Pascal at the other defensive end. Just what a story for him to play D end and outside linebacker winning the starting job. Um just over a year after the cancer, an unbelievable story. And, you know, remember, he came in as a highly rated recruit and he's a pretty dang good football player, too. So they need him on the field and they're going to get him on the field healthy and, you know, good good for him. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, to, to earn that starting job back. And that'll be really cool to watch him run on the field Saturday. That'll yeah. be something I'm looking most forward Me to. Too. And since you mentioned him, I always say this anytime he's mentioned, but Calvin Taylor is six nine three hundred. Yeah, he's a big boy, and he he can ball. I mean, he's. I believe he. I want to say it was him uh, at that open practice that you know just swatted a pass down. Um, I mean, he could be disruptive in getting to the quarterback and knocking down balls. I mean, the, <laughs> he can really play, and I really think I really like the defensive line. Yeah, so there's some potential breakout stars on there too, and hopefully, you know, won't won't miss too much of yeah. a beat with all and the replacement. And then, quickly on that, don't sleep on guys who are not starting on the death chart. Jordan Wright's a guy they're really high on behind Pascal, mm-hmm. defensive outside linebacker spot, and then Markan McCall, who was recruited as an offensive lineman, they flipped into the defensive side of the ball. And if you remember when he got his playing time as a true freshman last year, he was pretty dang good. So if anything were to happen to Bohanna, or you know, just to get Bohanna a few snaps off, McCall can play. I'm I'm pumped about the linebacking core too, Aaron. So everybody, like, I guess it to me, it's kind of like the equivalent to a slam dunk or like whatever anyone gets excited for, like for a big basketball game. Like I've decided my like equivalent for that is just like imagining Cash Daniel <laughs> just busting up through the middle, unblocked, like shoulder pad in the quarterback's chest and just obliterating him. So I think that is going to be another, you know, strength for Kentucky. So you have Cash yeah. Daniel, DeAndre Square, who I think's Prime for a complete just monster season. Yeah, DeAndre. Obviously, there's no one in his way now. Um, obviously, he didn't get to start last year, but <laughs> DeAndre Square uh, still, despite I think he was, um, I want to say he played all 13 games. Yeah, but he only made 35 tackles 
not a, that's not an only. That's really impressive for a non-starter. But um, and that earned him, you know, all SEC honors. Um, he's a big playmaker too. Honors. Like he yeah, just know, knows for the ball. Knows you know? for the ball, and you know, another Michigan kid that Kentucky was able to haul in. Um, and he's, I know, he's been a big help in getting some of these guys from Michigan. So help off the field and on the field. He's a monster, and he should take the next step um, now that he'll have the starting job. Um, besides Cash, who <laughs> we all know, Cash. No one plays the game harder. No one loves the game more. No one loves Kentucky more than Cash Daniel. And you know, there's a lot on the line for him this year. I mean, he's a guy who's probably, I'd say, borderline to get drafted. Um, I'd say he's if he's probably in the later rounds entering the year, but a big year could propel him into the middle slash earlier round. So, you know, there's a lot on the line for him. Um, he's the star of this team. If you go to the UK bookstore last year, they were selling 26 jerseys this year. They're selling 56 jerseys. So he's really the okay. Face. Good insight. Good he's insight. The face of the team. He's the face of the state uh, when uh-huh. it comes to football. So um, he's the next factor without a doubt. I mean, we don't really talk about him as much because everyone kind of knows his deal. Um, but he really is the next factor. Then you got, you know, move along and that's when, you know, I guess we kind of saved this for last, but by far the biggest concern, worry point, you know, question mark is yeah. the secondary. A lot of young guys, a lot of people having to play up due to injuries and things. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of just the obvious thing, Aaron, but just what would your take? You know, you've been to the open practice. You, you probably talked to a lot of people today. Is there one guy or one way that they're looking to mask this or is it just kind of a general point of concern? It's a general point of concern. Um even Mark Stoops kind of just said, uh, you know, we need to see them play. I'm excited to see them play. Um, I, I honestly, I couldn't even read what the heck his expectations are for the secondary. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Brad White and um, those guys say on Wednesday when we talk to them. But um, obviously, really young secondary, like you said, Tyrell Ajon. We'll start at one of the, at Nickelback. If you remember, he did have a big pick last year against Mississippi State. So there is a little bit of him, but he didn't play much other than that. Cedric Dort is starting at one of the cornerback starts. Uh, other than special teams, I don't think he saw the field last year. Other than mop-up rules against Murray State and Louisville, uh, Jamari Brown, red, uh, freshman, redshirt freshman. Uh, can't I don't even know if he got on the field last year. I'd have to double check on that. But they've been really high on him. Actually, he looked. I remember he did look really good in practice last Tuesday. He he has some good speed to him. Yeah, he didn't play at all last year. So, starting quarterback, and he's never even seen the field in a college game. So, that'll be interesting. Um, and he, and I he mean, the, the thing job. that makes me most, and he won the job over yeah. uh, MJ Dev- Devonshire, who yep. was a transfer. So, yeah, yeah. I oh, noticed no, that today too. I'm sorry. The transfers, um, Echoes, who also did not start Devonshire, but he was the highly, I think he was a four-star Devonshire. I know. That's kind of what I had been hearing is I thought that it was going to be Brandon Echoes was kind of kind of be the guy that people yeah. thought would step up. I thought Echoes and in the day, Brown. I see Jamari Brown at the top of the, yeah. at the uh, top of the depth chart, but going to be some youth there. And it just makes me concerned, Aaron, and we're going to get into our predictions here in a little bit, but that first game of the season for every college football team, it's just so hard to simulate. And there's, there can be confusion and chaos and discombobulation. Yep. So that's the last thing you want in the secondary. It's like if it's somewhere else, you know, it's a 20, 30-yard right. gain. If it's in the secondary, you know, it could be quick touchdowns right. on the board, especially when you're talking about a team like Toledo that's known for putting up points. And I'm going to – I said we'll, we'll get to it here in one second, but I'm 
I'm definitely, you know, one that thinks they're going to have to come out and play and that there could be kind of some times on Saturday when, when, um, you know, things might not be looking great. Yeah. We'll get back to it soon. Like you said, but as I've been saying for weeks, um, they had a really slow start last year against central Michigan, central Michigan went one and nine or whatever last year, one and whatever. They were terrible. Um, if they do that this year, they will lose. I think I wrote a little bit on a sea of blue. So if you had, we did all of our prediction posts, that'll probably post like Tuesday. Maybe we'll link it to the page. But all the staff writers at a sea of blue give their predictions for every game. So I was excited to get that email yesterday, Aaron, because it was you know it meant that games and football were back. And um, I specifically put in there that I think the first and second quarter are just going to be so so important. I mean, I get it; it's the first two quarters of the season. Of course, it's important, but I think Kentucky could come out and hopefully maybe impose their will a little bit in that first quarter, at least be physically dominating enough to take control of the game. But again, you know, those questions in the secondary, if they were to give up a couple quick scores, um, that would that would be cause for concern. And I'm just worried that there's a recipe for that. I think Kentucky will be fine. I'm going to obviously predict them to win the game. But like you said, they're going to have to come out and play Saturday. It's, I mean, that's this team has got three top recruiting classes in the MAC in a row working on their fourth. They're projected to win the conference, basically. So it's it's no cupcake. Hell no, it's not a cupcake at all. It really isn't. It's going to be a dogfight. It really is, I think, 11.5 as the line is even too much. Yeah, I saw that 11.5, uh, yep. Yeah, Kentucky's got a lot of question marks. And, you know, just quickly finishing off the defense, and then we'll get into that fully. Um, Jordan Griffin, the only real guy with experience, not necessarily starting experience at strong safety, um, obviously is huge uh, Devontae, that was Devontae Robinson's spot. Griffin will be manning that. And then uh, Yusuf Corker, who is a, I believe, a redshirt sophomore, he's going to be the starting free safety. And like pretty much the rest of the secondary, he's only played in mop-up roles and on special teams. Mm-hmm. So um, he was a four-star guy, though, that they won over Tennessee um, back in 2017. So the talent's there. The experience isn't in that could lead to a couple of shaky weeks. Well, I saw too. I was really excited, Aaron, to see Jared Casey listed second yeah. on the depth chart at strong side linebacker. You know, I said I, I live in Louisville. I know he's a Ballard High School product. Over, you know, chose Kentucky over Oregon. And then you know, JJ Weaver is my guy. He's from uh, my alma mater, Moore High School here in Louisville. I didn't see him on there, but um, I really hope that the freshmen can just you know get sprinkled in. I'd love to see them come in, make some big hits every now and then, and and get experience to keep this train rolling with the, the strong defense. But it was pretty cool. Uh, I'm glad uh, Jared Casey's, you know, he seems like he's going to be in the mix for some playing time early. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably get him in there. And, you know, if Boogie's really balling, however, and same with, you know, Josh Pascal, and they also have Jordan Wright, who can play both, you know, the defensive end and offensive linebacker, and they really like that kid. Um, you might see a thing with Casey where they only let him play four games, you know, to keep that red shirt on him because – you know, okay. him and Weaver are the two guys they brought in to kind of hopefully be the next Josh Allen. And they need those guys for as long as they can have them. So I think that might be their thought with Weaver and Casey, obviously both four-star prospects from Louisville. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, though. They won't be afraid to use Casey clearly because he's listed on the depth chart. Weaver, that'd be my guess, is why he's not on the depth chart. Gotcha, gotcha. Well... Um, before we do our predictions, I think we're going to try to roll through all the games too. Um, before we do that, Darren, I got a, a serious beef to address that, that I should have already done at the very beginning. But I think I mentioned this in episode one of the Cats by Ninety you podcast. Did. But today, today it was kind of confirmed, and it's just out there now. But like 
what are we going to do about the Cincinnati Bearcats of all places on earth, all the teams that could possibly use cats by 90? What is the Cincinnati, specifically their football team, thinking, trying to copycat cats by 90? You know, it's it's weird. I, I think it's just weird. I didn't expect that one at all. Uh, <laughs> obviously, they're the Bearcats, so I get the cats. But... I. It, I mean, it's not like, first of all, it's not like Cincinnati and Kentucky are schools that are a thousand miles apart. Like if it was like a smaller, like, I don't know, UNLV and they had a cats in their name and they used it like, okay, they might not know that much about Kentucky and their stuff because we play in totally different conferences and all that. But Cincinnati is what? I mean, an hour, 10 minutes from here, give or take. Um, Obviously, the two schools have been trying to get together in basketball hasn't necessarily worked out. Um, at least the fans have wanted that to happen. Um, even would be an interesting non-conference football matchup. But anyway, uh, it's just it's weird because there is some, I wouldn't say a rivalry, but obviously there, I know a lot of people that go there. They know a lot of people that go here. Um, it's just, I don't know why they would use that. I, I, I was genuinely confused. <laughs> it's, it's straight beef, though. And hopefully I saw a couple people... Um, our guy Sean Smith from uh, Go Big Blue Country had um, had that out there. So some heavy hitters like him will get on it, and we'll handle this like uh, any rational fan base does, and just um, obliterate people online. Yeah, uh, yeah they <laughs> will. It, it'll go over great. It'll be fun to watch. All right, so we'll, we'll keep our eye on that. That'll be a nice um, running little timeline story for the Cats by Ninety in our first few episodes here. Um, but, and then, man, you know what else we didn't mention, Aaron, is that we're giving away two tickets. So don't forget, if you want to go to the game, there's still time. We're not going to do the drawing until Thursday. So follow at CatsBy90 on Twitter. Retweet um, the post on there about the free tickets and follow, and you'll be entered to win. We're going to do a random selection on Thursday. And on what better way to start the season than Kroger Field because the weather is looking money. Yes. What is it, 87 and sunny? Pretty dang good. Pretty dang mm-hmm. good. Um, much better than today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, prediction for that game, uh, I do think they. I do think Kentucky will win. I think it'll be really, really close. Um, I don't think we're looking at a blowout here. I don't think eleven and a half is going to happen. I think you're looking at a three to seven point game. A um, lot of points. I don't. It's hard to expect Kentucky's defense to come out strong, at least the secondary. Toledo's got a really good offense. Bryant Kobach, too, the running back, former Wildcat turned Rocket. Um, he's got a lot of motivation. He's, he's yeah, we, just, we didn't hit any of those yeah. those points about um, about him. And then kind of just like a look at what the backfield could have been for yeah. Kentucky with some transfers and misses on people. But uh, we won't give our score for every game. I know we're going to kind of fire drill through all the games since it's our last chance. Um, before the season actually starts, but um, did you have a score prediction, Aaron? I know um, I, I did mine for a sea of blue today. So do you have? Oh, you said three. I'm gonna go. Points. I'm gonna go. Uh, thirty-seven, thirty-four. That's how close I think it'll be. Nice shootout. Yeah. Oh, definitely Ooh. a shootout. I mean, like you said, Toledo, their thing, and that's you know not just them. But that's a thing with a lot of schools not in the SEC is you know sling it out and score a lot of points and also give up a lot of points, but you better end up with more at the end of the day. So um, I think it'll be a shootout. Kentucky secondary is going to struggle mightily, but they have enough. I think they have just enough to get the job done. Yeah, I'll 
I'll say that I have obviously Kentucky winning. I think the I predict the early game is going to be kind of ugly. The first quarter, I think there's going to be a lot of nervous fans in Kroger Field, and then settle down second half. Talking all this out loud, I really think my score prediction's super low, but I have Kentucky not covering. I predicted a thirty-one twenty-one, so I know that would be great That'd if be that great did happen. Because kind of add some some stability to the defense. That'd be huge. I mean, last year our I mean, like you said, our historic Kentucky defense. Gave up 20 points to a bad Central Michigan team in week one. So if they can do that, that's a statement. All right. Um, so again, let's kind of fire drill through. It's our last chance. So I had a chance to do this a little bit um, this week with James Strebel on um, ESPN 680 here in Louisville. We kind of went game by game. And a real quick plug to Aaron. We actually had Justin Jeffries on, which I'm not sure you're you're a young buck if you know him. But um, he played on some of those, you know, really good mid-2000 Kentucky teams. Um, with the Saint X High School here, yeah. he was on the offensive line. Yeah, very familiar. Um, he's awesome on radio, man. He's such he man. He had some of the best insights. So I text messaged with him a little after he definitely committed to stopping by the Cats by Ninety podcast. Awesome. And um, w- like one real just random tidbit, he kept mentioning like when we were going game by game, Aaron. He would like be like, "Oh, I played at Mississippi State," <laughs> and you know, give us all that, and then mention like how much game time really mattered. Like he. Almost every game, I'm like, oh, if that's a, you know, if that's a night game, I like our chances, you know, or vice versa. So just super good insight from him. So he's probably definitely going to jump on the Cats by 90 podcast because um, he probably knows a little bit more about this than us. That would be outstanding. Absolutely. All right. Now let's kind of roll through. So we both have wins for Toledo. I'm trying to make sure mine stay um, consistent here. Yeah. All right. Then you have uh, Eastern Michigan next. Yeah, they're not losing that one. They'll definitely win. I think that's a game where they could – you know, steamroll. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm was, surprised that game's a night game, by the way. Are you? Yeah, 7.30. I know. I was kind of thinking that uh, this morning when I was planning out my, my trip this weekend to Lexington that what the next few looks like. But, yeah, easy oh, checkbox there. Eastern Michigan, we both have wins. Cats are 2-0. and oh, Woo! And remember, that Man. game was supposed to be up in, I forget where the hell Eastern Michigan even is, but that was supposed to be a road game. Uh, the two schools, you know, they played in 2017. They're going to play again next year in Lexington. It was supposed to be a two and one, but for whatever reason the game was moved to Lexington. Forgot exactly why, but that's an additional home game for the Cats. Yeah, they have well it makes sense they have freaking eight of them. Um <laughs> well that's why and then all right so so now this now this could you know kind of where uh, opinions may start to differ. Okay. So what's your thoughts on it? I'll go first on this one um because yeah, I I do have Kentucky Kentucky losing to Florida. Yeah. I mean, after I made this prediction before seeing him play, we did that show early on Saturday afternoon. But history is the only reason I'm saying that. You know, beat him once out of 32 times. <laughs> I just think it's going to be hard to do it a second time. But after watching Florida play Saturday, I, you know, there's obviously definitely a path to do so. But I do have yep. the Cats losing that one. So I, I obviously was – I'm. we are in agreement. I have Kentucky losing that game as well. Um, but <laughs> watching – uh, I actually thought it was going to be kind of an ugly game until I – you know, watch part of the Florida-Miami game that was really awful on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, I think Florida's – Dan Mullen is such a good coach, and he's a likable coach. Um, I think he'll have his guys motivated and ready to, you know, get a win in that one. Their defense is really good. And obviously, for Kentucky to win games this year, they're going to need to um, score a lot of points and also put up a lot of points. So I think that game could end up being pretty high-scoring but not high-scoring enough for Kentucky to win it. Uh, real quick thing on Florida and Miami. 
Actually, Aaron made my first ever sports bet this weekend <laughs> via Bovada. I've never done that. Took my boy TJ Walker from Kentucky Roll Call's advice and bet the under on um, Florida and Miami. You know oh. what the under was, Aaron? I don't remember. It was pretty bad, I thought. It was 46 was That's the under, thought, and I think yeah. they ended up scoring 44, I believe. Yeah, Miami's offensive um, line was horrible. Felipe Franks was not good. It, it was It was an ugly, ugly game. And, and man, if you remember now the end of the game too, just kind of thinking about it from my perspective, how I think there was two pass interference calls, then a third that they decided not to call yeah. just to keep extending that game. And man, my my forty six under was was looking rough, but uh, shout out TJ Walker because um that came through. So yeah, nice stuff there. All right, there then uh moving down to Mississippi State, which I'm trying to go to this game too. And hopefully, I'm there with the Cowbells. They've already announced it's a blackout, which I think is super weird. Um, being this far out, but blackout Mississippi uh, State. I guess they were. Uh, I've got the I've got the Bulldogs in that one. Uh, I guess they don't want to lose two years in a row to us. That's a really tough place to play. Kentucky's almost seemingly always struggled down there. Um, I don't think Mississippi State's going to be all that great this year. They lost obviously three guys on their defense in the first round, but they have enough talent. Um, I like their quarterback, the Penn State transfer a lot, Tommy Stevens. Um, I really think that's a tough matchup for Kentucky, who hasn't seen them yet, uh, really the whole SEC, but especially for Kentucky. And I think that's going to be another game, man, where it's going to be there's going to be a lot of points on the board, but Mississippi State's got the better defense, and that's going to that's gonna get them to win there. So I got them down to two and two. Uh, lots of turmoil right now with Mississippi State. I don't know how much will carry over by the time Kentucky gets down there on September 21st. I originally, for all the reasons you mentioned, had predicted this a loss. But now that I'm trying to make that trip and go cover the game, um, <laughs> I would say that we prevail the Cowbells and we win at Mississippi State. Um, and then so what, then I'll have us at what, three and one? Yeah, that'd be three and one. I've got so another road game. They don't, they don't have too many road games, but they move in, you know, two in a row in the SEC. So they go straight from Starkville to Columbia to play South Carolina, beating the Gamecocks yeah. five games in a row. And uh, this one, honestly, I said this, the, Oh, nice. Very okay. Cool. So we'll pretty much cover every single game. Then the first, first, first what, few, five. Yeah. That's the plan to go for uh, Big Blue Insider. So no, not yeah, a lot yet. Just got to make. Sure, I got to make it happen on my end. <laughs> well, so and on this one, man, I don't. So Kentucky's obviously beaten the Gamecocks five years in a row. Yeah. The only reason I'm predicting a loss on this one, but it's the, basically uh, my only real rationale, I guess, would be. I mean, if you. We're going to have Kentucky at 10 and 2 if I keep, you know, not doing this. So I think they have to drop one of those games um, on the road. I'm just picking it to be South Carolina. Yeah, I think they're going to get the win. I think South Carolina, yet again, is horribly overrated. Um, Jake Bentley is just an average quarterback that Kentucky, even the guy, has seen so much at this point. I think that'll help too, seeing guys that they've seen before, because then some of the guys who have been there and faced those guys um, can tip off the younger players a little bit. So I think that'll work in their favor. Um, they've obviously had the Gamecocks number. And, you know, South Carolina doesn't have too many high expectations for this year either. So I'm going to go Kentucky there. and They bounce back. And we're both, I guess we're then we're both at three and two. Mm-hmm. Then I'm uh, moving to Arkansas. I don't know yeah. anything about him worst other than they got the, the dude that went the last chance you. Yeah, they're the worst. Um, he went the last chance you, the running back. Mm-hmm. Rakeem Boyd, he's good. Yeah. Um, Kentucky wins. That's Jared yeah. Lorenzen Day, yeah. not losing. Worst team so, in the SEC. Um, both got wins there. Yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, we don't then, play them. Uh, 
So we even- then things get a little challenging. Toughest game of the season at Georgia. I think on um, October nineteenth, that's going to be brutal. I think that's going to be really, really brutal. Um, I'm not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer, but Georgia, this might be their best chance to win a national championship this year. Um, Kentucky's defense rebuilding, not a good matchup, especially in Athens. Uh, I think that could be a forty to fifty point game. I really do. Woo. Yep, I mean I won't I won't get into it. It's going to be tough. That's a that's a tall order. Georgia, top, you know, perennial top three team. I think they are ranked third preseason. Third, yeah. So, um, at at Georgia, it is what it is. Cats lose. Um, and then this is kind of mm-hmm. one of the real contentious mm-hmm. games. I feel like that you could go either way on. Oh. I do have um, Kentucky losing to Me Missouri um, yep. at home because I, I you know they're going to be fired up from the you know the way that they lost last year and. Again, you just have to pick a couple losses in here. It's, that's a sweet thing about their schedule, man, is that every game is, like, so winnable yes. besides the one we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, George is not. But, yeah, I've been so back and forth on the Mizzou game as well. Um, I had them winning it for a long time. But, you know, I'm really impressed with Barry Odom and Missouri because right now they kind of have that – we're not going to get into it, but kind of the stupid bull band they really shouldn't have um, for this year. And, you know, they have a bunch of transfers – including obviously a former Clemson quarterback, Kelly Bryant, who led them to the uh, college football playoff and was the starter to start last year until he got hurt and Trevor Lawrence came in and the rest was history. But that's going to be tough. And like you said, they're going to be really hungry after the way they lost that game to UK last year. And they've also just lost three in a row total to UK. Each of them were really close games that Kentucky found a way to win. So I think it's Missouri's year to get a W. So for me, that would be down to four and four. All right. Well, next next one's kind of the same way too. This is probably one of the last games on here that I could think you could kind yeah. of debate back and forth. Um, I do have Kentucky beating um, Tennessee. Yeah, I think so. Do I? They're going to be kind of the opposite of what we just talked about. We should have a fire lit under us coming at home because mm-hmm. I was at. Um, I covered the game yep. last year and I was there. They got just blit. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. So that hopefully terrible. there's a hopefully there's a, some redemption there on mine. I got Kentucky yeah. beating them. I, I do too. Um, I really really like Jared Garitano though, and I really like the Tennessee offense. Um, their defense is pretty young. Um, I think they're still building up. You know, getting back to where Tennessee is normally, and I think they will because I really. I really respect, um, as you know, their rivals, but I really respect their coaching staff and the players they have. Um, they, I think they're doing it right, and they're close, but I do think Kentucky can get that win at home before, you know, Tennessee kind of gets back on their feet and they become a real challenge every year again. So is it fair? Can we just roll through these last yeah. three? Because I'm not sure any of the yeah. Cats by 90 think, listeners want any yeah. August analysis of uh, yeah. Vandy, UT Martin, or you. Yeah, they're going to win all three of those games. I think Vandy could be a little interesting, um, but they don't. I think it would be more interesting if they sold Kyle Shermer under center. They're going to have a new quarterback this year. Um, you know, Vandy's, they're always so close and they just can't do it. So I don't think you have to worry about any of the TN Martin. I don't, I don't know a thing about them in Louisville's obviously in a major rebuild. So I'd, that gets I know one before. thing about UT Martin, and that is a um, very, very important point. Bobby Petrino's son is the running backs coach. There you go. So That's you got that, they have that going. They got that him. going for him. Uh, yay. <laughs> but, uh, um, so what did you end up at, Aaron? You were eight and four? Eight and four. And that, and I, yep, that's what I did. I, so what game did we – we didn't have the exact same, did we? Did we flip-flop? We did. 
Mississippi State, South Carolina. That's right. That's right. I had a win in South Carolina. You had a loss, and then the vice versa for Mississippi State. And I also to me, those are the three games yeah. that are really going to you know make this a, a you know good respectable season or an outstanding season. And that's on the two road games at Mississippi State at South Carolina. And then, well, I guess you could you could argue Missouri and Tennessee, but you could just pick one of them if you wanted. You know, if you can go two and two and one, and you know those three games, then th- then you, you you know you're really inching up towards nine ish wins. You know, so it, it could be special. So many winnable games. Exactly, definitely a lot of winnable games, and and you know there are some good quarterbacks that Kentucky will play. There's, I'd say, there's only a couple great ones in Fromm. And Garrett and Bryant, so that'll help, especially because the secondary is so young. Um, that I think they have a chance to win every single game, but Georgia will they? No, um, but eight and four, man. I mean, that's not a bad year after losing what they lost to the NFL last year, and you know, for Kentucky football, you know, preseason last year, if you've said to anyone we're going to go eight and four, they would have happily taken it. Ten and three was just something out of this world but um i think eight and four is pretty fair and it's a solid year for you know what could be building into getting back toward the 10 and three and um year in and year out once they start developing these younger secondary players because the recruiting classes are getting stronger and stronger every year and you know mark stoops has got something special brewing it this year is kind of i wouldn't say it's a rebuild year it's more of a transition year I think you mentioned a really good point, too, and that's just the fact the quarterback caliber they're going to face. Yeah. Strebel went through that with me this weekend. And, like, you go down the uh, – Fromm's awesome, and then Kelly Bryant, you could kind of look, and then it's just – it's kind of trash, honestly. <laughs> so if there's one good thing, uh, at least on paper, it doesn't seem like Kentucky's going to be facing say, the gauntlet thank, of good QBs. Thank goodness. I, I forgot who I was talking to this about. I was having a conversation about it just the other day. But thank goodness that Kentucky is not in the SEC West. Because if they were in the SEC mm. West, there's a chance their only win would be Arkansas. Yeah, it's loaded. So looks on that side from a whole all around scheduling, you know, perspective when you talk about the amount of home games too. But good stuff, Aaron. I know that um I'm sure I'll see you again. We got a couple other things to do this week, but can't wait to see you Saturday. Yeah, man. Man. Please everybody give uh Cats by Ninety a follow at Cats by Ninety on Twitter. You can follow me, Drew Brown, at BigBlueDrew33, and Aaron Gershon, at Gershon 99 But yeah, man, it's going to be pumped. I can't wait to see you at Kroger Field. I hope they're serving something good and know, the right? weather stays true. Yeah, man. <laughs> Anything but today, weather-wise, I will happily accept. So It's looking good. It's yeah. at least going to be dry, and hopefully it doesn't get, get too hot or anything, but that noon kickoff, we'll in- man, yeah. I can already smell the tailgate smells and everything. You and I have we, we're here. Being we indoors. Oh, are you on photo? Um, I believe I'm not going to be taking photos okay. as of now, okay. so, um, at least during the okay. game. So, so we'll be I'll the, probably be up there with all you. Right. We'll be in the AC then. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, we'll talk soon. And please, everybody, again, like, subscribe. We should have all the iTunes and Spotify stuff going for the Cats by 90 podcast. And uh, give us a follow at Cats by 90. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.